0: Go ahead and be seated. I want to invite you to take God's word and turn with me to Matthew 28. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in worship today. So good, so Christ-centered as it always is. Good to be with you on this first Sunday of 2024. Last year, around the same prior, uh, same time frame, we launched. Uh, what we called our focus priorities. There are three focus priorities of our church and what we said is we're gonna attempt to, the very best that we can, to funnel and filter everything that we do. Uh, Certainly the mission and vision of our church, even the programs, the ministries, the events that we do. And by the way, uh, our executive pastor, Jeff Young, told me when I sat down just a minute ago, he said, you did great with your announcement, but you said the marriage conference is in July. It's in January, okay? And so, this looks easy up here, doesn't it? All right. Uh, January, two weeks from day. we need you to register for that marriage conference. But everything that we do, marriage, uh, events, programs, ministries, mission, vision, we want to filter and funnel through these focus priorities. And we gave you these focus priorities in a statement. I'll put it on the screen for you. We said Champion Force advances the kingdom. And that's important. That kingdom is the kingdom of God. We're not about advancing our kingdom, Champion forest little kingdom. Uh, We want to do everything that we can in our power to uh, make sure that uh, people within driving distance of this church can hear the gospel and even beyond through our media ministry. We want to make sure that we are reaching as many people as possible for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it's not about building our kingdom. It's about advancing the kingdom of God. In a couple of weeks, I'm going to start a new series. Never been more excited about preaching a series, I don't think, in all of my life in this this series we're calling The Kingdom Project, okay? And I'm excited about every series we preach, but this one I'm really excited about in two weeks. And we're gonna talk about our place in the kingdom, our role in the kingdom personally, individually, as a church. But we said we are advancing the kingdom and the focus priorities are making disciples. We advance the kingdom by making disciples, by loving our community, and by strengthening the church. And it's that first priority that I wanna talk to you about today. And that is making disciples. I'm calling the message today, growing as a disciple. Now, if you're new to church, uh, maybe this is your first time, perhaps it's a New Year's resolution to get back into church or come to church. And we're really glad that you're here. I wanna encourage you to come back, make it a habit Uh, at least give us three or four chances, okay? If you don't like the worship and teaching, what you will like is the people around you, some of those friendly people uh, in Houston, right here in this church. Uh, But regardless of what brought you here today, we want you to know as a church, uh, this is what we're about. We want to uh, make sure that we are introducing people to faith in Christ and then growing them in their walk with him. And so when I use this word disciple, I don't want it to... Uh, uh, turn you uh, off or to cause you to question or to throw you off track. It's not a word that we use often in our vernacular, in our culture today. But in the times of Jesus, it was a word that was commonly used. When we read the Bible, we see this word disciple over and over and over again. And and it simply means a follower, a student. Uh, The word disciple means a learner. There were actually Two forms of discipleship back in the day. You had the Greek model, which was more of, uh, it was more about enlightening the mind. It was lecture-based, if you will. Think of people like Plato and Aristotle and Socrates. They would teach by lecturing, by questions and answers. Perhaps you've heard of the Socratic method. It was just a way of learning. That was the Greek model of discipleship. And then you had the Hebrew model of discipleship. This was the, the model that Jesus would have been more familiar with. He learned from his uh, earthly father, Joseph, how to be a carpenter. And it was, it was an apprenticeship, if you will. And so it wasn't just you sit still while I instill, but instead it was let's come together and let me show you how it's done as I teach you how it's done Uh, I liken our residency program uh, to this Hebrew model of discipleship. We have uh, right at 23 residents on our team here who are in seminary. You hear me talk about it all the time, but it's an exciting thing that we get to be a part of. It's part of what our giving goes toward is this residency program where we're training up young men and women who are called by God into the ministry, and they come here and they work in our church for a year, two years, three years, and then we send them off uh, to churches all over North America and when they're here, we partner them with a supervising minister and that minister is to teach them, to train them, to walk with them, it's just a form of discipleship. And so a disciple is a learner, a follower, a student. Uh, You read the scriptures and you see that the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, they, they referred to themselves as disciples of Moses because they would study the law, and they wanted to follow him. You read about John the Baptist, who was baptizing people uh, and and had quite a following. Those that followed him were called disciples. And then, of course, you get to Jesus, and we know that he called 12 men to follow him. And this is, brings us to our text today, Matthew chapter 28. He had 12 disciples. Now, as we're talking about the term disciple here, I want to make sure to give some clarity, uh, because... Uh, The term disciple and the term Christian should be synonymous. Uh, They should be used interchangeably. If you say you're a Christian, uh, you should be able to say you're a disciple. Uh, But sadly, tragically, uh, that's really not the case today. We have scores of people who refer to themselves as Christians, but they're not following the ways of Christ. They're not learning from him. They're not walking in his steps. Again, they should be. We get the word Christian in the scripture. We see it for the first time. Acts chapter 11, verse 26. We'll look at this and then Matthew 28. But the scripture says, at Antioch, the believers, the disciples, were first called Christians. And so what happened was, as the early church was growing, these disciples of Jesus, they were acting in a way that outsiders looked at the way that they lived. Uh, They saw that the way they made the decisions, they looked at the way they treated the poor and the outcasts. They saw the way these believers endured persecution and said no to temptation. They saw how they looked after one another, shared their belongings with one another, loved sacrificially. They looked at these people and they said, they look like little Christ." Little Jesus walking around. This is where the term Christian came from. And so it should be that the word Christian and the word disciple are synonymous, used interchangeably. Anybody that says they're a Christian, a little Christ, well, they should be, they should be living like a disciple, following the ways of Jesus. And so question for you before we read Matthew chapter 28. Are you a Christian? Could it be said of you that you are, the way that you live, the way that you spend your time, the way that you prioritize your schedule, what you give your life to, could you be described as a little Christ? You should be able to. You should be able to be referred to as someone who is following after the Lord Jesus Christ. The disciples in this text, the followers of Jesus, they are given a charge in Matthew chapter 28. And this charge that they are given, it's not optional, it is a command. And if you're a Christian, if you're a disciple, your only response to it is one of obedience. Let's look at it, it's known as the Great Commission. As we read this text, notice it was made first to the original 12 disciples. And if they had not obeyed this great commission, none of us would be here right now. But as a result of their obedience, we share now in the same calling, the same command. Jesus has been vindicated. He has been raised from the dead. He is the risen Lord. And at this point, he is initiating his new kingdom. And he says, this is how this kingdom is going to spread. This is how it begins. Jesus came, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." The central command that Jesus gives in this passage to those that follow him is to make disciples. And as we make disciples, the Bible says we should baptize people. That is the marker of their faith. When we baptize at the beginning of this service, that is the identification that we have as followers of Jesus. How do we know we're a Christian or a disciple? It should be that we are marked by baptism. That is not just something that we do. That is very sacred. It's very spiritual. When we get into the waters, we are identifying with Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. When we come up out of that water, we are saying we are walking in a new Way of life. We are no longer living for this physical kingdom that we can see around us, but rather we are followers of the kingdom of God. That's what baptism does. And if you've never been baptized, I want to encourage you make that decision. You're showing the world and telling the world what you believe and to whom you belong. And we not only baptize, but the scripture says, verse 20, we are to teach these disciples to observe. All that Jesus commanded. Now this is how we grow as a disciple. We are taught and in teaching that emphasizes it's going to take time. It takes intentionality. It's a process. No one arrives overnight. But as disciples, we are taught to observe All that Jesus commanded and where do we learn what Jesus commanded? Right here, the word of God. We take in, we learn, we work out and walk out the word of God. And as we do, we grow as disciples of Jesus. Your maturity as a follower of Christ It's totally dependent upon knowing and observing what's in this book. The word observe is a verb here. It's not just something we know intellectually and take in. The word observe means to keep. It means to practice. The New International Version gets it right in their translation. It uses the word observe and it uses the word obey. So making disciples means we are teaching people what Jesus said, to do what Jesus said, and the only way we know that is by giving ourselves to his word. Now I don't have time to talk about Uh, the sufficiency of scripture, why we can trust the Bible. I've preached that in a former message here. And if you want that, you email me, pastor at championforce.org. I've got a great team that runs that email and we'll send you the manuscript of that message, just talking about why you can give your life to God's word, the confidence that you can have in God's word. But what I want to do in our time together today is I want to get very practical with you on this first Sunday of 2024, and I wanna teach you how we can observe what God has put in his word. I want to teach you today, if it's true that growing as a disciple is dependent upon observing what's in his word, then I wanna give you some take home, very practical, about how to do just that. We've got a national championship uh, here in Houston tomorrow night between two teams that I could care less about, all right? Uh, Michigan and Washington, both undefeated, both great teams. But I, I, sorry Texas, I was hoping you'd be in there. Texas and Alabama. Michigan, Washington. And I can tell you who's gonna win that game. It's gonna be the team that does the fundamentals the best. That's it. You ask any coach who's gonna win a game, it's the team, that executes on the fundamentals, the basics. It's the team that blocks the best and tackles the best. It's the team that can run the ball and Indianapolis Colts catch the ball, all right? That's a good Texans win last night. And so it's all about the basics, the fundamentals. Well, if we wanna grow as a disciple of Jesus, it's the same thing, it's very simple. We've gotta make sure that we're doing the basics. We gotta make sure that we're doing the fundamentals. And one of the very basics of a disciple, if the definition is to be a learner, a student, a follower, then that means if we're gonna grow as a disciple, we must learn to spend time alone with God. And this is the great thing about Jesus and his discipleship. He didn't just take the Greek model that lectures and enlightens and asks questions and tells parables. And he didn't just take the Hebrew model that's life on life. He told his disciples, come and follow me. He combined these two methods of discipleship. And here's the thing, when we're Christians, the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. And every day when we spend time with him, he is discipling us. We are becoming more like Jesus. How? Because he teaches us through his word and his Holy Spirit in us, empowers us, and shows us how to live his word out. I'm reading a book right now by uh, Bill Elliff. It's called The Essential Presence. He's a pastor in uh, uh, the Little Rock area. And listen to what he said about spending time alone with the Lord. He said this, when you see a great Christian who always seems to be experiencing God in ways you are not, be assured they have paid a price to see God's glory. Not just for one day, but through years of accumulated consecration. That means they spent years day by day spending time alone with Jesus. Their hearts have been tuned and their eyes open to encounter him. They have not done this perfectly, but continually over time. Listen, Jesus wants you to grow as a disciple. He does not want you eating from the kitty table, spiritually. All of your life. Some of you have been following Jesus 20, 30, 40 years, and He wants you to grow. He says in the book of Hebrews that it, you ought to be off of milk by now. You ought to be skilled teachers, but you, you're not growing up. He wants us to grow as a disciple, but it will not happen. It will not happen if we don't continually give ourselves to God's Word. And observe what's in it. This is how we grow as a disciple. And so, with that being said, I wanna get very practical with you on how you can do it. And here's how I'm gonna do it I'm gonna take that word observe and I'm just gonna build an acrostic off of it. And I don't care if you've been following Jesus for 70 years or for seven weeks, if you take what we talk about today and you do it continually over time, I promise you, you will grow as a disciple. Here's what the O stands for. Are you ready? Open your Bible. I told you, we're getting practical here. You wanna grow as a disciple? It won't happen apart from time and God's word. Now I would encourage you, if you haven't invested in one, invest in a good study Bible. It doesn't matter what study Bible it is. I study, I use the ESV study Bible in my time alone with the Lord. I've used the NIV, which is a translation. I've used the life application, just go get one that has notes that can help you understand. It's got introductions to the books of the Bible that tells you who's writing it and what the time frame was and who the audience was. All that will help you understand. Invest in a good study Bible, but open it and begin reading it. Psalm 119, verse 130. You know, there are 176 verses in Psalm 119. 174 of them have to do with the word of God. Psalm chapter 119, verse 130, speaking of itself, says the unfolding of your word gives light. It imparts understanding. To the simple. God's word gives light, and so we gotta open it up. This book is not like any other book you will read. Hebrews chapter four, verse 12 says that God's word is alive and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And I like to say when we read the Bible, it reads us. There's nothing like the word of God, and so start tomorrow. Get alone with the Lord, open up your Bible, and give God 15 minutes, 15 minutes. And if you don't know where to start, I wanna encourage you, we are starting a Bible reading plan as a church tomorrow. If you have signed up in the past for this reading plan, you don't have to sign up, you're gonna get an email from us whether you want it or not, okay? But if you haven't gotten a reading plan, You can scan this code that's on the screen right now or you can text Devo to 77069 and we will send this to you every morning about 5 o'clock. For those of you that wake up at 3.30 or 4, you're going to have to drink some coffee and get going before you get the Devo, okay? But this Devo is going to come about 5 o'clock and we're going to read through the book of Acts together. And we tell you what verses to read. And one of our staff members and some of you have written a devotional that goes along with it. And we're just going to be all in this together, okay? But, but if we want to grow as a disciple, it starts with opening God's Word. And we're just trying to help you get in the habit of opening God's Word. So join us on the Acts uh, devotional. will be great, all right? B, begin in prayer. So you wake up. I told you I'm getting practical today. You wake up. You go get that cup of coffee. You go to that place that you're meeting with the Lord, and I encourage you, have a set place. The scripture says that Jesus, he would often go to a desolate mountain to pray, and he would go before dawn. It was a practice. Some of you, I know you're not morning people, that's why I'm saying give it 15 minutes. Wake up 15 minutes prior to what you normally do, and just watch what God does with that 15 minutes. I was texting a buddy of mine today, his name's Bob Bodine, he wrote a book called Two Chairs. And his whole practice is, he puts a chair, he goes to his time alone with the Lord, he sits down in his chair and he pulls a chair up here and he essentially visualizes Jesus sitting in that chair and he's meeting with Jesus today. And so I would encourage you to have a set time, a set place and begin in prayer. Begin with a prayer surrender. Jesus, this this is my time with you. I want to be a disciple. Help me to understand your truth. Open up your word to me, Lord, show me. And you just begin with a prayer of saying, Lord, the posture of my heart is one of learning today. If there's a sin that's keeping me from hearing spiritually, forgive me, I cleanse me. I want to walk and I want to grow with you. Just begin with prayer. So you open your Bible, you begin in prayer, and then here's the S, sit in silence. Let your mind be empty. This will take longer for some than for others. But the whole idea of sitting in silence, here's the real application. Don't take your phone into that meeting with the Lord. Don't don't have the music playing. Don't have the computer on. Limit distractions. Listen, if you were physically sick and your life, you were meeting with a doctor and your life depended on listening to that doctor and doing what that doctor told you to do, there is no way you'd go into that appointment with your cell phone and be checking your Facebook and Instagram and social media accounts while he's telling you what's wrong with you and what you need to do to get better. And yet that's exactly what some of us do with the Lord. We're meeting with the God of the universe and bzz, pick up the phone, look at it, distract it. And so you open your Bible, you begin in prayer, you sit in silence, God wants to speak, but I'm telling you, he speaks to those who are still and silent long enough to listen to him. Busyness is an enemy of intimacy. The scripture says, be still and know that I'm God. It means cease activity, stop striving, just sit and spend time with the Lord. Remember Mary and Martha in that New Testament? Martha's in the kitchen doing all sorts of things, busy trying to serve the Lord. She's got an honest and pure heart out of it. And what is Mary doing? Sitting at Jesus' feet. And Martha gets hacked. God, why isn't she helping me? And what did Jesus say? I'm not gonna take from her. She's doing what is better. Sitting at my feet. And that's what sitting in silence is. You show God that you mean business by giving him the first of your day and by being sober and serious about it. Lord, I'm showing you, I wanna hear from you. I'm closing the door, I'm waking up early, I'm limiting distractions, I wanna hear from you. E stands for engage the scripture. Here's what I mean by engaging the scripture. I told you, this is not like any other book, man. This this book, the Bible refers to itself as a treasure. And it is listen to Psalm 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. You need revival in your soul? Where do you you get revived? The word of God. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You need wisdom for a decision coming up, how to lead your your family, how to, how to, how to, to grow in your marriage. Where do you get it? The word of God. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. You need joy in the midst of a a horrible circumstance or situation you're going through, where do you get it? The Word of God. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. How do we see spiritually? The Word of God. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Listen how it's described. More to be desired is the Word of God than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings from the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warning and in keeping them, there is a great reward. Solomon, the wisest person to ever live. is writing these Proverbs to his son. He wants his son to grow up to honor the Lord, to live for the Lord. Listen to his words. My son, if you receive my words, treasure my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom, inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight, Raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Wisdom, knowledge, understanding, insight, a fear of the Lord. It all comes from taking in, leaning on, wrestling with the word of God. This is why I say engage it. Let me give you a track to run on. speaking of engaging the word, here's some questions to ask yourself as you're engaging with the scripture. Whatever passage you're reading, ask yourself this question. Is there a promise to claim as I'm reading the scripture? Is there a promise here that God's given me? You'll see some scholars estimate 30,000 promises in the Bible that we should own. They're ours. That Jesus says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's a promise. Some of you are, are so uh, uh, surrounded and, and overcome by guilt because of a decision that you made in the past, and you're a Christian, you're in Christ. The promise of Romans 8.1, there is therefore now, present is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. You ought to own it and walk in it. No condemnation. He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we confess. That's a promise, take it, own it, walk in it. Look for a, com- a sin to avoid. Man, there are sins that the scripture spells out. Don't go near. Uh, this morning, my, my <laughs> Proverbs 7, the adulterous woman, that fool was walking by our house at night. Idiot, all right? You don't go walking by our house, you certainly don't do it at night. That's a sin to avoid. Flee sexual immorality. How often do we see that about slander or gossip? Get rid of it, put off the old. There's sins in scripture that just come off the page. Ask, this is engaging, whatever you're reading, is there a command here to obey? Some things God puts in black and white. He just spells it out for you. Do this, walk in this. Is there a blessing to enjoy? Man, God, all of Ephesians one is a spiritual blessing to enjoy. There are things that God has given, redemption in his son. Man, that's a blessing to enjoy. Is there an example to follow, positive and negative? Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ, and we can imitate his faith. You read the Old Testament, there's there's good examples and there are bad examples, and and look for those examples. Is there a teaching to learn? Man, God, God wants to expose. He wants to give you his truth, and sometimes we don't read something and we just glance over it and we just go about our day. God wants to highlight something. If we don't know something, let's find the answer. Let's do the work. Seek it as silver. Search for it like it's gold, it's treasure. When you engage the text, ask yourself, let the Holy Spirit in you. Uh, uh, when the word of God is before you and the Holy Spirit is in you, nothing's coincidence. And so ask the Spirit of God. First question to ask is, God, what does this text teach me about you? What does this text teach me about God? This, is, this book's about God. Sometimes we approach and we go, okay, God, what do you have to say to me today? And he's saying, what I have to say to you, I want you to learn about me. When we know who God is, we, we can, we can, uh, conform to to, to what he wants, and it changes us. So before you ask, what does this teach me about me? Say, God, what does this text teach me about you? And then say, what does this text teach me about me? Is it giving me something to walk in, something to do, okay? R, reflect and record. Write what you're reading down. Don't just open your Bible, but get a journal with it. I've told you my vision before of Champion Forest. I want every single person, uh, if there's a guest here and and they're observing what's going on, they're just standing outside in the parking lot watching what's going on, I want them to observe a couple things. One, I want them to observe the friendliest place ever, that there are smiles when people are coming in, they're getting high fives, they're getting a Welcome to church on Sunday. We know Monday through Saturday can be tough. We want want Sunday to be a a refuge, a reprieve from a crazy week in your life. And we want you to find joy here and happiness here and and see it on our faces. And the other thing I want a guest to notice is that every person walking in is carrying a Bible and a journal because they know they're gonna engage. When they come in this service, they're gonna be writing stuff down. They're gonna be taking notes. They're gonna be following along. I know some of you think I preach a long time. It'd be really shorter if you engaged with me, all right? Right? Makes time pass. maybe, all right? Um, but, but, but right, there's a Chinese proverb that says, the faintest ink is more powerful than the strongest memory. And so write things down. In your Bible, write down things. Man, if, if, if uh, this morning uh, I was praying for uh, uh, someone specifically in uh, our community of faith whose name is written down in my Bible, and every time I get to this specific Psalm in my Old Testament reading, I pray for that name. And I've just written that name down. Or if somebody's having a surgery or somebody's passed away, I'll write their name down. And every time I come to that in my systematic reading of God's word, it's just a reminder to pray for that person. Maybe I shoot them a text, maybe I write them a note. Write down, engage. That'll help you, that'll help your mind not wonder. It'll help you focus. And it helps you remember and, and re- recollect what God's done in the past. Hey, if, 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 if I want to uh, uh, stand on the faithfulness of God today, it helps me to see how faithful God was to me yesterday. And so you write those things down and you record those things. It's amazing what you see. I can go back in my old journals and I can see, man, I was struggling with this and now that is not even an issue anymore. And I think, God, you brought me so far. And then I see something and I'm going, I still can't wrestle that down. Goodness gracious, I got so far to go. And when you write in your journals, let me say this, just a practical tip. Don't, Don't write it with this thought that My kids and my great-grandkids and my great-grandkids, and 100 years from now, people are gonna read this as a devotional classic. (laughs) You start doing that, look, my journals, they are to be burned as soon as I die, all right? Because I don't want my kids and my wife reading through them. They can't read my handwriting anyway. I write in hieroglyphics in case I, I lose my journal. None of you can see what's going on in my life. Only God knows. But I write it down and I reflect and I remember and it just helps me, okay? V, verse by verse. What I mean by this is read the Bible systematically. Have a plan. If you don't, you'll get frustrated. This is why I say jump on that Devo with us. Uh, Most study Bibles have a reading plan in the back. You can Google reading plan. There are all sorts of reading plans. Don't bite off more than you can chew. For some of you, tomorrow, it would be your first time to do this. Man, when you start reading, you don't even have to read all of the verses we give you. As soon as that one verse bounces off the page and in your heart, stop right there. And you just pray that into your life and you just think about that and let that be your 15 minutes with the Lord. Okay, but, but, but you need a plan. You need, you, need, you need to systematically go through it and, and, and pick up the next day where you left off, okay? And you do that over time, it's like lifting weights. Man, if I lifted weights, I would prove to you how big I could get, but, but I don't. And so, but, it, but you know what I'm talking about, all right? The more you do it, the stronger you get. And this leads to the last step. That's exercise your faith. What you read, you put into practice. Again, that's what the word observe means. It means to do, it's to, it's to keep it, it's an action. You remember James' admonition last, uh, in the fall we studied the book of James. James chapter one, verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. You deceive yourselves. And so, you know, first of the year, we've all got new resolutions. How are those going, by the way? Day seven, eating better, exercising. We know that if we're going to get physically healthy, we've got to exercise. Well, the same is true spiritually. If we're going to grow spiritually, uh, we've got to spiritually exercise. And this means we put what we're reading, what Jesus has commanded, into practice. We wanna help you on this. And so here's the question, are you a Christian? If so, you should be a disciple as well. And if you are a disciple, let me ask you this. Are you growing as a disciple? We wanna help you. That's what the church is here for. We are to help you grow to be more like Jesus. And it's amazing as Jesus works on our character, how that improves our work relationships, our relationships at home. It's amazing as we transform to be more like Jesus, how he, how he changes our, our temperament sometimes and how he conforms us. And those of you that are new to following Jesus, you know this, like you like church now. You would have never liked church before you started following Jesus. And now you look forward to coming. What is that about? That's Jesus changing your hearts, changing your likes, changing your dislikes. There's some things that you used to do that you never do now because Jesus is changing you from the inside. We wanna help. There's two main ways that we help you with this. The first is we want you to be in a life group. We say this all the time from, from right here. This is good and I love this, but if you only give us one hour, I'd say get to a life group because that's where people really know you. That's where you can walk alongside people who are on the same journey as you. And, and they can hold you accountable to reading God's word. And you can ask them questions and you can exercise your spiritual gift. And, and, and so get in a group and if you, if you're not in a group, just text the word group to 7706, you can text anything 77069, but if you text group, you'll get a link and we'll, we'll follow up with you and we'll try to recommend two or three life groups that are same age and phase of life and just go to a few until you find that one that just says, it fits. It fits. Or maybe you're new to the faith and you've never been discipled. Like you've got the foundation, you've trusted in Jesus, but nobody's taught you how to pray. Nobody's taught you how to read your Bible like I'm teaching you. Nobody's shown you how. We've got a ministry called Next Step that's an intentional one-on-one ministry where you meet with someone who's older in the faith, who's been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and they'll take you through a little study. It's about a six-session study. Sometimes it takes nine or 12 weeks to get through just because of schedules, but they'll meet with you one-on-one. Some of you have been following Jesus a long time, but you've never invested in somebody else. And maybe God's speaking to you today, saying, you know what, I I could be that person to somebody and just show them the way. Just text the word DISCIPLE, 77069. And we'll follow up with you and we'll either partner you with somebody so that you can be discipled or you can be that person that's discipling someone else. That's what we wanna do. We wanna be a church that's not just growing wider. We wanna reach as many people as possible for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we also wanna be deeper where we're growing as a disciple. And if you'll give your life to God's word I promise you it'll be a decision that you never regret. And Jesus will transform your life as you follow him. Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforce.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.